This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This is the Relic Radio Show, 60 minutes of radio drama, which you can find every Tuesday at RelicRadio.com. A quick reminder before we get to today's stories, if you'd like to help support this and all of the Relic Radio Shows, visit Donate.RelicRadio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support has made all of this possible for 16 years. Thanks again to those who have. Donate.relicradio.com if you'd like to. This week, we're going to begin with High Adventure via the Armed Forces Radio Services Radio Novel Program. From February 17, 1953, we'll hear Uncle Silas. After that, it's Luke Slaughter of Tombstone and Yancey's Pride. This story aired March 9, 1958. This is your radio novel. Hello and a cordial welcome to another radio novel. Our story, Uncle Silas, is about a man who had been a loved and respected member of a small community for many years until a much younger man arrived to upset the town and their favorite citizen and his lovely young niece with accusations of murder. This is the radio novel, Uncle Silas. Now to our radio novel, Uncle Silas. Eddie Ward had always been thought of as that bright young Ward boy, and it seemed as he grew older that he was going to prove the truth of that statement. Eddie was now studying for his bar examinations, and he thought taking a job with an insurance company would be good training for a future lawyer. The company set Eddie out to investigate claims and all of the usual routine, and he was doing very well. So when the job took him to Somerville, he went, feeling no sense of the unusual, no feeling of apprehension. United Casualty wanted some facts to substantiate their claim in an auto accident, and Eddie was to get the facts. Somerville was a typical small New England town, and Eddie arrived around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. It was biting cold, and there were very few people on the main street. Eddie walked into a combination bar and diner to get some information. There weren't many people in there either, but the one man who made himself heard was leaning against the counter a bit unsteadily. A pleasant enough-looking man, if one could see beyond the silly, alcoholic grin. (laughs) Boy, I sure called the score on that one. Uh, Excuse me. Oh, hello there. I was wondering if you could help me. Sure. Sure, I got enough to buy you one. Sit down, sir. No, 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 I didn't mean that. I want to find Silas Thorne. Who? Silas Thorne. Oh, you mean Uncle Silas. No, he's a grand old fellow. Just grand. Does he live around here? No. He lives out in the valley. He has a farm out there. Can you tell me how I can get out to his place? You're out there now? Sure, why not? Well, it won't do you no good because he ain't there. There's a beautiful farm. He has rich bottom land. I used to be a farmer myself. You know that? He isn't at the farm. Where is he? Oh. Silas Thorne. Oh, good old Uncle Silas. Yeah, he's always helping somebody. Uncle Silas. You know... One night, I remember, he stayed all night with me, helping take care of a sick colt. Colt died, though. 
died just like old Eddie Atkinson. Same night, same ways. Same night, same way. Well, thanks for the information. I don't mention it. Glad to help. Hey, you ain't going, are you? I have to find your Uncle Silas. That's a real fellow, Uncle Silas. Hey, what do you want to see him for? Just some business. Now, if you'll tell me where I can find uh, him. Excuse me. Uh, oh, hello. Hello, Jane. How's the kid? I heard you mention Uncle Silas. Silas Thorne. Yes. Well, maybe you can tell me where I can find him. Well, yes. He's down at his store. I'm going down that way myself. I'll be glad to show you if you want. Thanks. I'd appreciate it. Not far. Well, goodbye, old pal. Well, goodbye, old pal. Goodbye. My car is just outside. I'll drive you. Oh, we can walk. Are you afraid to ride a block with a stranger? No, of course not. Uncle Silas? What? Oh, hello, Janie. Uncle Silas, this man wants to see you about something. Howdy. Hello. He didn't know where to find you, and I had to come over to ask you if there was anything you wanted for supper. Anything special? Oh, supper I ain't even thought of yet. I just wouldn't leave it to you, as usual. <laughs> all right. I'll pick you up around five, then. All right, all right. Bye. Goodbye. Bye, Bye Jenny. Nice girl. Yes, yes. Have a seat, Mr... Uh, what'd you say your name was? Ward. Eddie Ward. Well, sit down, Eddie. Get comfortable. Wait. Get off, cat. Get off. Get off that chair. Scat, Euclid. Scat. Uh, have a cookie. No, thanks. Mighty fine cookies. I got a special on them this week. Dime a dozen. Mr. Thorne, I'm from the United Casualty Company. Who's that? United Casualty. What do they sell? Peanuts? Didn't you get any of our letters about the accident you had? What accident's that? The automobile accident three months ago. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Now I recall. Now I recall it. <laughs> Took me a minute there to place the name. Car, insurance, accident. Yes, yes. Then you did get our letters. Oh, yes. Why didn't you answer them? Why, I didn't see no reason to. Wasn't nothing much interesting in them. Mm -hmm. Well, the people whose car you hit have a policy with our now, company. hold on, hold on, hold on. Who says that I hit somebody's car? It's what the report showed, hit and run. Now, that's a criminal offense in this state, you know. I don't know any such thing. But there was a hearing held, and this was all settled a long time ago. You call a thing settled when my clients, a man, his wife, and their little daughter, are all in the hospital and have been ever since the accident? My gracious... Hey, that's terrible, ain't it? Well, I'm glad you see it that way. Hurt bad, huh? They'll recover, but they've suffered a lot. Now, my suggestion to you is to make a settlement and never let the thing get to court, because according to the evidence, they've got you cold. Why, I don't see as how they do. Oh, come now, Mr. Thorne, let's be honest. Listen, I've never been anything else in my whole life. Honesty is the only way to be. Well, that's fine. Then you will admit your liability. I won't admit no such thing. Well, the report shows I that... don't give a good whistle what your report shows. I'm telling you, it was nobody's fault. So nobody ought to pay nobody. Well, I'm sorry you feel that way, Mr. Thorne. That's how I feel, young fellow. It can mean jail for you, Mr. Thorne. Jail. That's huh? right. Now, ain't that a nice thing to do? Come into a fellow's store and threaten him? You don't give me any choice. We have you cold. We're sure to get a criminal conviction. Sure you want to have a cookie? No, thanks. Mighty good. And they're fresh, too. Well, I guess that's that. I hate to, uh, I hate to put a man like you in jail. Uh, I always do my own worrying. I'll see you later. Just a minute, you. What? Stranger here, ain't you? Yes, I... Well, that is, I... Thought so. Well, I'm here to tell you Somerville don't like strangers coming in and threatening people. 
We take care of them if they do. Now, look here. Especially if it's a citizen like Uncle Silas. Now, don't try to... Eddie's legs collapsed under him and he fell to the cold sidewalk of Somerville. The tall, lean man stood over him, a frown wrinkling his brow. Then he put something back in his pocket and picked Eddie up like a sack of meal. Staggering under his weight, the man walked across the street and into the small building lettered with the words, Somerville Courthouse, on the front. You are listening to the radio novel, Uncle Silas. Now, back to our radio novel, Uncle Silas. When things start happening, they happen fast. Eddie Ward had been in Somerville exactly one hour and had been beaten over the head with a sap and thrown into a small room with iron-barred windows. When Eddie came to, his head one throbbing ache, it took him a few minutes to orient himself. He was in jail, all right. And then he started to put up a fuss, demanding to know why and for what reason. The tall, lean man who had hit him finally came to the door, looked through the barred window, and announced himself as the town marshal. All right. Come on out. You're liable for a suit for false arrest, you know that. Don't know nothing of the sort. <laughs> you talk like a lawyer. And that's what I need right now. Yeah. And if you take my advice, you'll stay out of trouble. I haven't been in trouble. All right, all right. Just get out of here. Oh, go back to the farm, will you? What's that you say? Never mind. Now go on, get out of here, and don't say nothing there against Uncle Silas. All right, all right. When Eddie left the local jug, he went to the tourist home just outside of town to spend the night. The next morning, Eddie went to work in the village records. Between the local weekly paper and the town clerk, he found out a lot. Silas Thorne not only owned the store in a 500-acre bottomland farm, but also operated a farm that once belonged to Kerry Atkinson. However, there was no record of ownership change in title on the Atkinson farm. It still belonged to Kerry Atkinson. Suddenly, the name Atkinson struck a familiar note. The second farm, the one that Silas Thorne owned, he had bought from the bank in the county seat of Phillipsburg. A phone call to the bank brought out an interesting fact. The bank had foreclosed on one Merton Frawley. And also in Eddie's records of the accident, Merton Frawley was the first person to the scene of the accident in which Silas was involved. All roads led to Mert, and Eddie knew where to find him. I'll never forget that night. What night? The night of the sick cult. <laughs> That's when I got my first good drink. You know, I wasn't so good at that, either. What was wrong with it? <laughs> What's good for that type of medicine? Old raw liquor. Ugh. I was there working over the cult, and Silas was helping me. He was fixing to pour some down a cult, and Silas, he says, says it's a shame to waste good liquor on a cult. And when they fall up, huh? So, uh, Silas suggested you drink it, huh? Girl, Silas. This <laughs> says I wouldn't worry. You know what he did? You know what he did? What? Well, he went so far as to rent my farmland. Just so as I could go in the hardware business. He paid cash, too. Ooh, that made it easy then, didn't it? Well, everything would have been all right, except for a few things. Like what? Well, hard times, that's what I mean. Couldn't blame Silas for not being able to keep on r renting land during hard times. Can't blame a fellow for something he could help, could you? No. Yes, sir, if it hadn't been for good old Uncle Silas, I don't know what I'd do. 
You don't know how true that is. Well, I'm saying it. I ought to know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to be going on. No drink? Later, maybe. I got to see a guy. Well, don't have any accidents. I don't feel like seeing any accidents. Don't worry. I'll be careful. Your uncle around? He just went down the street. You know when he's coming back? He won't be long. Mind if I wait? Of course not. Why do you hate Uncle Cyrus? I don't hate him. Well, dislike him, I mean. Hmm. Love me, love my uncle, huh? I didn't say that. Look, Jane, I don't dislike your uncle. I don't hate him. I'm just here to do a job. All right. Incidentally, who owns the farm where you two lived? Why, I do, I suppose. What do you mean, you suppose? Don't you know? Well, I let Uncle Silas take care of all the farm business. Don't you ever ask him what he does with the money? Well, no. Why should I? Uh, no reason, I suppose, but I think you should check up on your facts. What facts? Well, according to the records, a Kerry Atkinson owns your farm there. Oh, is that what you mean? Well, that was my mother. You see, for some legal reason, she used her maiden name on the title to the farm. Carrie Atkinson? Mm-hmm. That's my middle name, Jane Atkinson Thorne. Carrie Atkinson. In my mother's will, it stipulated that Uncle Silas would be my legal guardian, but that the farm would remain in trust for me until I wanted the title transferred. I guess Uncle Silas just never bothered to do it. I see. What's the matter? Nothing. You have such a funny look on your face. I was just thinking. Do you always look that way when you think? Preoccupied? Yeah, yeah. What is it? Is something wrong? Jane, I want to tell you the facts as I see them and then let you put them together. Go on. It's about your mother and the farm. I'm used to dealing in such things so they don't seem as incredible or horrible to me. What are you talking about? I... Oh, you still here, young fella? Still here. He was just going to tell me something about mother and the farm. Go on, Eddie. No, I can wait. About the farm and your mother, eh? What was it, Eddie? You know, I've been thinking over that accident. Yeah, I always was a fair fellow, fair in anything. I'm glad to hear that. So I tell you what, you just tell that company of yours that we can have a hearing any time they want on damages and such. All right, I will. You see, what did I tell you? But uh, I'll go you one better, Mr. Thorne. Uh-huh. That's you young fellows. Always want to go one better than the next fellow. I'll hold the hearing right here in town. As a matter of fact, I'll take a panel of three arbitrators, if it's all right with you, and we'll let those three decide just what justice is in this case. That way we'll save court costs, legal fees, and all the rest. You mean hold it right here? Right here in your store. All right. Tonight. You got all the facts you need? I got enough. All right, then it's all settled. Now, if you two young ones will take care of yourselves, I got to go across to the barbershop. <laughs> Going to get a haircut for the big hearing tonight. <clears throat> You see, I told you he was fair. Yeah, he fell for it. Fell for what? He's clever, but he fell for it. Well, now I suppose you're going to trick him. No tricks, just facts. Look, I don't understand all this. Don't worry about it, you will. I'm just so confused. Sometimes I wish you hadn't come to Somerville. Do you? Just seems like you're trying to make trouble. Do you really wish I hadn't come? Well, I... All right, young fella, come on. Oh, it's you again. Come on. What's he done now? Never you mind. This ain't your business. We were just standing here talking. All I've done, Jane, is rooted out a few facts that some people don't want rooted out. What? No more talk. Now, come on. Where to this time? Never mind. 
Just move. Walt, what did he do? Plenty. Move. All right, all right. And this time, you ain't going anywhere. And you ain't coming back. Walt, the town marshal, and his once again prisoner, Eddie Ward, drove out into the winter countryside. Then Walt stopped the car and ordered Eddie into the back seat, where he was tied up, blindfolded, and gagged. You are listening to the radio novel, Uncle Silence. Now, back to our radio novel, Uncle Silence. Before he was gagged, Eddie warned the marshal of the seriousness of what he was doing and the consequences he would suffer. But as before, Walt said nothing, gave no reaction. After he was tied up, they drove some more, then finally pulled to a stop. His legs were untied, and the marshal told him to walk while he guided him. They went through a door, and his legs were tied up again. Eddie felt a dirty wooden floor under his feet, heard the dirt and the scraping of his shoes. The marshal went out and locked the door behind him. Is somebody in here? Mm. Who is it? How'd you get here? Uh, Just a minute. uh, Just hold still. It's not so tight. uh, Here, I'll unloosen the thing in your mouth first. There. Thanks. What happened? That's too much to tell now. Listen, where are we? We're in Uncle Silas's store. What is this, the back room? Oh, it's the storeroom. The store was closed, but I came back to get some seasoning. What time is it? Why, well, it's uh, a little after seven. Why? Now, you do just as I say, will you? All right. I want you to bring Mert. Mert Frawley. I want you to bring him to this hearing tonight. Mert? That's right. But but I don't... I have no time to tell you now. Just bring him in comparatively sober, if you can. Well, what about you? I'll be here. Now, you go on out. Get your seasoning and go before anybody else shows up. I'll see you at the hearing tonight. It's all so mysterious. Will you believe me and believe that I know what I'm doing? Yes. All right. I'll see you later. And don't forget to bring Mert. You sure that young fellow ain't going to show up? <laughs> sure, I'm sure. I got him tucked away. Did you do what I told you to? Well, no. You see, I couldn't. Come on in, Mert. It's all right. We're going to have a hearing. Uh, uh, who? Oh, hello, Uncle Silas. Walt. What'd you bring him for, Janie? Yeah, what'd you bring him for? Hold it, Silas. Well, I guess we're all assembled, aren't we? Hey, uh, it's a robber. I'll get him. Easy, easy, Walt. Ain't no robber at all. Put your gun away. That's a good idea. What was you standing back there in the dark for, young fella? Maybe no reason at all. Well, now that you're here, let's get this fool hearing business over with. Where are them three judges? Them three arbitrators you wanted? These three will do. What three? Jane, Mert, and Walt. Me? Oh. Well, now that seems fair enough. Go ahead, state your case. Well, sometimes, you know, you're too close to something, too close to a thing to see it in its true light. But I was a stranger. I wasn't warmed over with love and friendship, so I couldn't see the pieces. What pieces? The pieces of the puzzle. They all fit into place if you stop and analyze it. Well, Jane here is a good one with puzzles, young fella. She wasn't too good with this one. But you can't blame her for that. Now, let's start at the beginning make it real short. 
You, Mr. Thorne, you and your brother both loved the same woman, Jane's mother, Carrie Atkinson. Yes. But from the facts, I think you each loved her in a different way. Anyway, your brother Will got the girl and the farm, then he went off to war and got himself killed, and that was fine, wasn't it? How can you say that? Let him go on, Janie. Let him talk. So after Will didn't come back, you thought you had a chance again, didn't you, Silas? And you just waited and waited, thinking that sometime, some way, an opportunity might come along, and it did. Hey, what's this all about? So one night during a bad winter, Carrie Atkinson, your brother's widow, actually, Carrie Atkinson Thorne, took sick with pneumonia and was in bad condition. That night, she took a turn for the worse, and you rushed out into the night trying to find a doctor, leaving Jane here alone with her dying mother. Is that right? Why, well, I guess it is. But no matter how hard you looked, you couldn't find her one, and because she didn't get medical attention, Jane's mother here died. Great stroke of luck, wasn't it? But you had your troubles, too. Everybody's got troubles, I figure. And one of them was Mert here. Me? Mr. Frawley, who do you go to for money when you need a drink? Hey, what's this all about? Uncle huh? Silas here. Who suggested you have your first drink? First drink? A long time ago. long time ago. Remember when it was? Sure, sure. When was it? Well, it was the night, uh, the night of the sick call. Who was there with you? Well, Uncle Silas was. He was there all night. Left early in the morning. You sure what night that was? Of course I'm sure. It was the night old Lady Atkinson died, Mrs. Thorne, I mean. Sure, that was the night. What? Sure. Sure, I'm sure. I mean, what's this all about? You get the picture. You wanted the farm, didn't you, Uncle Silas? You wanted it enough to let your own brother's wife die of pneumonia while you were supposed to be out looking for the doctor. Instead, you had to have a place to wait while she died, so you conveniently found Mert's barn and waited there all night. Then went back to the house with a nice heroic story of spending the night looking for a doctor. That way you thought you'd get the farm. And you did in a way. But the hitch was Mert here. And you had to fix it so Mert wouldn't remember your being in the barn with him. So you coaxed him into a drink. And after that he kept drinking. And then you got the idea of a farm and the hardware business. You knew Mert wasn't enough of a businessman to run a hardware store, but you let him into it. You made it easy by renting his farm. Then you put on the pressure and he lost both. And you picked up the pieces for him and the store. Very nice. Uh, what's this all about? Huh? You had to keep him drinking. And the surest way to do that was to ruin him. And you got another bottom land farm in the deal. And there's the case. A greedy, swindling old man, a murderer, and you all love him. But the way he's done it, the best he can get legally is perhaps the charge of hit-and-run driving. What a laugh. Well, I've said it. Presented it. That's all I can do. I don't know what you plan to have Walt do with me, Mr. Thorne. But if you'll please unlock these handcuffs... Oh, no, you don't. You don't get away, you're my prisoner. Walt, no! What'd you push my arm for? You were going to shoot him. Sure I was. Unlock the cuffs, Walt. Huh? Unlock the cuffs. Take them off him. All right, if you say so. Thanks. You'll make a good lawyer, young fella. Yeah. Well, that's the verdict. None of you believe me. Ain't nobody stopping you from going... No. No. You. Aren't you going to get in? It's cold. Yeah. I've been waiting here in your car for an hour. I went back to the tourist home to pick up my shaving stuff. I believe you. I guess I've had little doubts all my life, but they didn't mean anything because they were all apart, all in little pieces. I guess I wouldn't even admit those doubts to myself. Yeah. What are you going to do now? I can't stay here. Can you give me a ride to the city? Sure. 
I'll come back sometime, but I can't stay now. You want to stop by your place now and pick up some clothes or something? No, I don't want to go back there. All right. You all right? Yes. You look pale. What'll happen, Uncle Silas? Oh, he'll get his. But you said the law couldn't touch him. No, we'll work on the hit-and-run case, get the local hearing satisfied, and prosecute him for that. No one else will believe what you said about Uncle Silas. I'm sure they all love him too much. You loved him, and you believed me. And little by little, the story will get out. It'll get out because we opened the crack. People will want to know why you left. Mert will repeat the story. Walt will let little things slip. Then the whole town will start to speculate and stop and think. I give Silas Thorne a year more in Somerville at the most. Then? Then Somerville will be too hot for him. But he won't leave. Because where can he run? He's too old to leave and start again. And that's how he'll pay. I see. And Silas knew, too. He's smart enough to know that's how it'll end. And he's caught. Can't leave, can't stay. I see what you mean. Like an empire crumbling. And all his friends turn against him. Lifelong friends. It won't be nice. No. I almost feel sorry for him. So do I, Janie. the radio novel, Uncle Silas. Slaughter's my name, Luke Slaughter. Cattle's my business. It's a tough business. It's big business. I got a big stake in it. And there's no man west of the Rio Grande big enough to take it from me. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone, Civil War cavalryman turned Arizona cattleman. Across the territory, from Yuma to Fort Defiance, from Flagstaff to the Huachucas, and below the border through Chihuahua and Sonora, his name was respected or feared depending on which side of the law you were on. Man of vision. Man of legend. Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. Like a violent storm or an earthquake, you can feel a lynching coming on long before it arrives. And there was Lynch in the air that afternoon in Tombstone. Well, if you gents is so uncommon concerned over a few rustlers, why don't you catch them same as I do? Hello, Sutton. <laughs> afternoon, Slaughter. <laughs> yeah, I got me one in jail right now. My boys picked him up red-handed last night. You wanted to see me? <laughs> yeah, we may be in for trouble. Listen. <laughs> There's only one thing good enough for rustlers, I say. And that's hanging. I caught me one, and that's what's going to happen to him. McArdle's sake. Huh? Well, looky here. 
two stalwarts of the Cattlemen's Association. You gents going to come around to the courthouse and see the fun? What fun, McCardle? What fun? <laughs> Why, ain't you heard? My wranglers caught a rustler on my spread last night. Caught him red-handed, butchering a yearling. We're going to hang him this afternoon. It's not up to the judge. The judge? Why, this is a plain case out, not law-breaking. And I aim to see justice done. When is the trial? The trial. Oh, yeah. The trial is going to be at 2 o'clock. And all you gents is invited. Come on, everybody. Let's go to the See what I mean, Slaughter? Yeah, I do, Sutton. We'd better go to the courthouse. See to it that McCardle doesn't do something we'll all have to answer for. The court will now come to order. The deputy will bring in the prisoner. Say, Sutton. What is it, Slaughter? I think I know that man. What's your name? Yancey Bell. I do know him. You know the charge? Cattle rustle. Now, how do you plead? Guilty or not guilty? Neither one. Well, you've got to plead one or the other. Well, I don't. Well, who's the plaintiff in this case? Why, you know dang well I am, Judge. And he pleads guilty. My men caught him butchering a yearling with my brand on it and my property. Now, come on, let's get this over with. Hold your horses, McCartney. I ain't holding no horses. You make your decision so us law-abiding people can string this hombre up. Well, a man, man's entitled to a fair trial. Well, he's getting it. Now, come on, say it. Your Honor. Slaughter, you stay out of this. Your Honor, I know this man. Hello, Yancey. Luke. Luke Slaughter. It's been a long time since Vicksburg. I recognized you even without the cavalry uniform. What is this? I'll tell you what it is, McCardle. This man and I soldiered together in the Illinois Cavalry during the war. Unless he's changed a lot since those days, he's not a thief. You're buttoning into my business, Slaughter. This is a public trial, McCardle. And I'm taking on the job of this man's attorney. Any objections, Your Honor? Why, why, well, no. no. Tell the court, Yancey. Did you butcher that yearling? Yes. Yes, I did. Why? Because, because I was hungry. I don't know this part of the country, and I didn't know I was so close to town. You intend to pay for it? I would have if there'd been anybody to pay. Do you have any money? I had $500 Mexican until last night. What happened to it? The men who jumped me took it. That's a lie! A lie! You gonna take the word of a stranger against my man? Being a stranger doesn't make him a liar. He's not a stranger to me, McCardle. Now, what do you figure that yearling was worth? What's that got to do with it? I'm gonna pay for it and request the court to release the accused. What? Fifteen dollars. That ought to cover it. You can't do that. I am doing it. If the court so pleases. Well, uh, well, well, yes, sir. Under the circumstances, restitution having been made and motive explained... What? Are you going to let this Stephen Rustler go? Uh, yes. Yes, I am. I put you on that bench, Judge, and I'm going to take you off of it. You can't get away with this. And this is a court of law, Mr. McArdle. You cannot intimidate the bench with threats. 
case dismissed. Why, you... Thank you, Luke. Thank you. I'm staying down at the San Jose house, Yancey. Let's get your stuff and go down there so we can talk in private. You'll pay for this slaughter. I already have $15. Come on, Yancey. Feels good. <laughs> oh, I haven't been on a bed in over two weeks. <laughs> you weren't on a bed for two years during the war. Yeah, that's right. You realize it's been nearly 15 years? Yeah. We were kids then, Yancey. Greenhorn kids. What have you been doing since? Went east for a while. New York. Big town was too much for me, though. Finally went home to Quincy a couple of years back and... I got married. That too much for you, too? She died six months ago in childbirth. Kid died, too. I'm sorry, Angie. So that's why I come out here. Starting all over again, you might call it. How about you, Luke? Well, cattle's been my business since the war. Kansas, Texas, a tombstone. You must be mighty big in these parts. That was quite a show you put on in the courtroom. <laughs> no, you were getting a raw deal. You mind if I take my boots off? Peter kind of swelled in. No, go ahead. Stretch out. You're welcome to anything I've got till you get organized. That's mighty nice of you, Luke. Especially since I've been cleaned. Yeah, that's the least I could do. I remember a sniper one night about four weeks into the siege of Vicksburg. And what you did about him... That's long ago, Luke. Ah, forget it. Man doesn't forget things like that. Hey, you've lost a spur. Yeah, those Jaspers weren't very polite when they jumped me last night. Took 500 Mexican silver, huh? Yep. I aim to get it back, though. Well, I'll handle that for you. You just take it easy. I got some work to do over at the Cattle Association office. Nancy, you aren't leaving anything out on this yearling butchering, are you? When I get ready to lie to you, I'll let you know in advance, Luke. Yeah. Well, you'll get some rest. I'll be back about supper time. Hold it, Sutton. Oh, I was just closing the office. Well, I'll close up later. I want to check on the bills of sale on that last herd I brought up from Texas. Yeah, all right. See, that was quite a stunt you pulled in court today. Well, the way I figured it, Yancey Bell was being railroaded. I would have stopped that even if I didn't know him. Some of the boys thought you was taking a little too much into your own hands. Isn't that just what McCardle was trying to do? Yeah, I suppose so. How do you know he's innocent? He says so. Yeah. Well, think I'll tell him the feedback. See you later. So long, Sutton. Slaughter! He's slaughter! Mm. Slaughter! Wake up! Mm. Wake up! Oh, oh Come on Sutton. Now. I must have dozed off. 
Say, what time is it, anyway? Time? It's almost eight o'clock. Eight o'clock? I forgot all about supper. Now, Slaughter, listen to me. What are you so all fired upset about? Now, there's been a shooting at the Crabtree livery stable, right next to the San Jose house where you're staying. Who got shot? Drake McCordle. <laughs> In a moment, Luke Slaughter of Tombstone returns. A trio of rough-and-ready prospectors make trouble for our frontier gentleman, J.B. Kendall, in his next dramatic exploit on CBS Radio. The trouble starts when a young hitchhiker, whom Kendall has picked up, discovers gold. For more Western thrills, stay with us on CBS Radio right after Luke Slaughter, as most of these same stations bring you another exciting adventure with our frontier gentleman. And now, Act Two of William N. Robeson's production of Luke Slaughter of Tombstone. Excuse me. Let me through. Let me through. Hello, Slaughter. Hello, Sheriff. I've been wondering if you'd show up. Let me see your gun. What for? Seems to me you'd know the answer to that. There was bad blood between McCardle and you, wasn't there? Here, look at it. Uh-huh. Well, it ain't been fired. Or it's been cleaned awful fast. That gun hasn't been out of its holster all day. All right, all right. Now, you know anything about this? I only heard about it five minutes ago, Sheriff. When did it happen? About an hour ago. Where's the, the body? Inside the livery stable there. Is that where it happened? You're asking an awful lot of questions, Slaughter. Now, let's get one thing straight, Sheriff. I'm as interested in who committed this murder as you are, maybe even more so. If I get him before you do, I'll turn him over to you. All right, all right. Why, you cattlemen can't leave things to the law. Where did it happen? Right here in the alley in front of the livery stable. Anybody see it? Jack Crabtree, the owner of the stable. Hey, Jack. Yeah, yeah, sure. You come here. This gent wants to know what you've seen. All right, I'll tell him. I sure will. <coughs> oh, hello there, Mr. Slaughter. Missed the fun, didn't you? <coughs> well, during the thing I ever saw, I was telling the sheriff and the boys here... Just, just tell me what happened, Jack. Well, <coughs> I was sitting back there by the harness rack working on a snaffle bit, and I heard somebody singing out here in the alley. You know how a man will sing when he's had a couple of snorts. <laughs> Heard from the sound that he was a-coming in. About that time, I looked up, but I couldn't see very well because it was dark and I was back inside there under the lantern, you see? Then the scene stopped and somebody said, Drake, I'm going to kill you. Then it was a shot and McCardle fell right here. Of course, I didn't know it was McCardle then. You know who made the threat? No, no, don't. I, I doused the lantern in a hurry because I was a setting duck, you see? Then I got down behind a bale of hay and waited. You hear anything else? Just one thing. A man a-sobbing. Oh, it's an awful thing to hear a man sob. It's just... It, well, I got up then, come out here, and looked around real cautious-like. was nobody in the alley except in Drake McArdle's body. That's when I ran to get the sheriff. Thank you, Jack. You reckon you know who did it? That's my job, Jack. You just give me the information. I'll take care of finding the killer. Well, sure, sir, sure. Well, 
that's all I know. Jack, did you recognize that voice if you heard it again? Well, now that's that's a good question. A good question. Because when a man says, I'm going to kill you, he don't use a voice like he was saying, give me a glass of beer. It's a real, uh, uh, real strange. Strange, if you know what I mean. It makes you shiver, kind of. Yeah, yeah I know what you mean. Slaughter, where's that friend of yours? That rustler you bought out of jail this afternoon. He's not a rustler, Sheriff. I don't know where he is right now. I'll find him. If I think he did this, I'll turn him over to you. Where are you going? Up to my room. Wash up and get some supper. Any objections? Don't try to leave town. Don't worry. the excitement. You know about it. Couldn't very well help it. Quite a commotion out there in the alley. How come you didn't go out and join the crowd? Well, I look at it this way. I'm new here and none too popular with the law and some of the people. Somebody might jump to conclusions. Figured I'd just stay out of it. I see you're cleaning your gun, Yancey. Mm-hmm. Mind if I take a look at it? Yes, Luke, I mind. Why? Because a man's gun is his own business. Unless he's done something wrong with it. Have you? Depends on how you look at it. Yancey, I want to see that gun. Then you'll have to take it away from me, Luke. Give it to me. No. I said give it to me. This gun's been fired recently, Yancey. I didn't say it hadn't. Did you kill Drake McCardle? It isn't the question you're asking, Luke. It's the way you're asking it. I'm not going to answer you. I'm trying to help you, Yancey. I'm trying to help you. Then you'll have to find some other way to do it. I told you, when I get ready to lie, I'll let you know in advance. Crazy fool. Well, Slaughter, I thought you was going out for some supper. I'm changing my mind, Sheriff. You have anything new on the killing? I'm working on it, Slaughter. I'm working on it. Ain't very much to go on so far. What about McCardle's enemies? Oh, yeah, lots of them. He was a pretty bull-headed man. If he couldn't get his way by asking for it, he got it by force. I know that. You know of anything that happened today that'd make somebody want to shoot him? Well, you're about the best man to answer that question. You beat him out in court, and he didn't like it at all. Did you turn up any clues in the alley next to the body? Clues? Empty cartridges, footprints, anything like that. Uh, there were some cartridges, but there was old ones. As for footprints with all them people milling around afterwards, there was lots of them. Nothing at all, hmm? One thing. Might not mean nothing at all. Again, it might. This. Broken spur. Yeah. Well, I see you got both yours, so that lets you out. 
But when I find the man who's missing one, I sure want to talk to him. Can I borrow that for a little while? What for? I saw a man with one spur missing today. This might make two missing. Just point him out to me. No, Sheriff. This is my play. I'll make it alone. We had one killing. We don't want another. There won't be. I can help it. Yancey! Yancey! Hey, Pop. Hmm? Oh, oh, yeah, Mr. Slaughter. You been on duty all evening? Oh, yeah, ever since supper. That man I brought in with me this afternoon, Yancey Bell. Did you see him go out? Mm-hmm, about 10, 15 minutes ago. Did he say where he was going? <laughs> well, he, he asked me was there a place to get drunk, good and drunk. I told him he could do that most anywhere, but at the Crystal Palace was the biggest saloon in town. Did he go there? Well, I can't say. He just headed out the door. Say, he looked awful, like he'd uh, been in a fight or something. He had. Maybe in another one. Where'd you get the money to buy that liquor, Yancey? Hello, Luke. Have a drink. Where'd you get the money? I got it. Where? From the people who owed it to me. Here, help yourself. Did you take it by force? You might say that. But it was mine in the first place. Let me see your spurs, Yancey. Spurs? What for? Just let me look. Sure. You were missing one this afternoon. Now you're missing two. Sure am. Does that one fit where the left one's broken off? <laughs> Can't tell without trying, can we? Let's see. Yeah, it fits. Where'd you find it? In the alley, back of the San Jose house, near Drake McCardle's body. I guess it must have broken off there. Then you were in the alley. Luke, it's customary for a man to put his horse up at the stable nearest to his hotel. Sure I was in that alley. Yancey, let me have your gun. I'm going to turn you over to the sheriff. You're going too far, Luke. A man's entitled to his privacy and his pride, and you're going too far. I'm taking you in. No, you're not. Drop your gun belt, Yancey. I'm warning you, Luke. I'll shoot. Now make your play. You want to know who killed McConnell? I'll tell you who killed him. It's the judge. Drunker than a hoodown. You can't push a man around forever, I told him. A, a man's got some rights... A man can be pushed so far, and I did his dirty work for him. I was covering up for his rustling. And the first decent thing I do, letting that fellow off, he, he has his riders jump me and beat me up. And I told him, I, I said, I said to him, Drake, I'm going to kill you. 
He didn't think I could do it. But I did. I did it. Just like this. <laughs> he was mean. And, and he deserved it. I, I didn't. <laughs> Easy, Judge. It's all over now. I'll take him slow. All right, Sheriff. Come on, Judge. Yancey. Yeah, Luke. I made a mistake. A man can't always be right, Luke. I understand. Thanks. Now, about my gun and this money. No, you don't have to tell me. Like you said, a man's entitled to his privacy. I want to tell you. I was out east of town late this afternoon practicing on rattlesnakes when one of the hands that jumped me last night came along. I guess I got a little mad. He had $20 on him, so I took that on deposit. Why were you practicing shooting? Because no man living can call me a cattle rustler. If the judge hadn't gotten him first, I'd have killed McCarl. Was it that important to you? Pride's a real funny thing, Luke. I guess I don't have to tell you that. No, I guess not. Can I buy you a drink, Yancey? Now, that would make me right happy, Luke. And then I'm going to buy you one. Slaughter of Tombstone, starring Sam Buffington, was written by Alan Botzer with editorial supervision by Tom Hanley and directed by William N. Robeson. Supporting Mr. Buffington were Lou Merrill, Howard McNear, Barney Phillips, Sam Edwards, Junius Matthews, and Norm Alden. Music composed and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Next week at this time, we return with... Slaughter's the name. Luke Slaughter. When we meet up again, you can call me that. Luke Slaughter. Now stay tuned for Frontier Gentlemen, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. This is the CBS Radio Network. That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. Find more from High Adventure Luke Slaughter of Tombstone, this podcast, and all the others at relicradio.com. Our shoutcast stream is up and running there as well with even more old-time radio. And again, if you'd like to help support it all, donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links. Thanks to those who have supported this show. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.